Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. <laughs> The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. Hear the full show on our app, by podcast, or on 96FM.ie. Connecting to the big show. In three, two, one. We are in no position to be able to defend ourselves in any way whatsoever. Ireland is defenseless. Every time that it happens, we have to talk about how the good men feel. Help us. Without G backing us, putting it on the air and telling the people how important it is, then it wouldn't have gone anywhere. We're the one for Cork and ready to talk. Can we just talk? Call 0818 96 96 96. Text or WhatsApp 083 396 9696. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. The lines are live. Let's kickstart the conversation. This is the Opinion Line with PJ Coogan on Cork's 96FM. <laughs> Flip-flops. Uh, no, I, I cannot. I just can't do flip-flops. And I can see why they'd be worried about them. I can see why people would be falling out of them and breaking their ankles and twisting their toes and all that. And why they'd be the most troublesome item of holiday clothing would be the hip- flip-flops. I can't. I just cannot do them. Never have been able to do them. Morning. 0818 96 96 96 the number the text or whatsapp 083 396 96 96 the email is opinion at 96mm.ie a bit of scorchio weather due over the weekend enjoy it enjoy it with care particularly if you have a doggy because they can't handle it we think we suffer a bit them poor devils can't handle it imagine having to wear a fur coat in this weather so we're more about that a little bit later on. But let me, are we, we are crossing, I think, to Schiphol Airport in Amsterdam. Lauren. Hello, Lauren. Hello. Hi, how are you? I'm good, I'm good. How are you? Good. I'd say the mood has been better. This is Lauren. You were on the, on the show with me a few months ago talking about football. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'd say your mood has been better. Tell me what's happening. Yeah, I have had better days. Um Planning on coming home today. Uh, had a flight for 25 past nine. Got to the airport at 6 a.m. and figured out it was cancelled. No notice. Nobody told us anything. You're on your way back from L.A., right? Uh, no, no. We just had a family holiday to oh. Amsterdam in Germany. Oh, cool. Oh, cool. And you're on your, yeah. way, you're on your way back. And the flight was for, ni- for 9.25? Yeah, it was in the... 
So that's like eight twenty-five back home. Yeah. Yeah. And had you pre-checked in and stuff, or were you going to check in or whatever? So uh, we couldn't pre-check in because um, I have my younger sister. Um, so we had to check in at the airport. Yeah. But literally, the way that we found out was the taxi man was asking us what terminal to drop us to. So uh, I googled online our flight number to see our terminal, and I seen that it was cancelled. And I was like, "Oh, what?" I asked my dad. I said, "Can you check your email? See if you seen that the flight was cancelled." He's like, "Oh, I don't have an email." I was like, "Oh, check your trash, check your spam, check yeah. all your email." And he was like, "I've I've gotten absolutely nothing about it." So then I was like, "Okay, maybe it's a uh, something online." You know, I wanted to go into the airport to see the board. So got to the board and uh, yeah, written cancelled and. We're like, oh, right. <laughs> just like that? Yeah, just like that. Like, found out at the airport at 6am in the morning. Crikey. And have you been able to contact anybody or talk to anybody? So we went up to the information desk and we were like, uh, where can we get help? And they were like, oh, you can go to Swissport, I think deals with Aer Lingus. Yeah. Went up to their desk and she was like, oh, I can't help you. You have to get onto Aer Lingus. We're like, okay. Uh, so I rang them. Uh, two hours on the phone um, then my line cut off so then we rang on my dad's phone again and then we eventually got through to them and he told us basically he was like yeah there's no flights out of Amsterdam within the next two days so you'll have to fly out from a different airport <laughs> okay like I know <laughs> alright that's fine we'll just what cycle to the next one or what you're yeah gonna... that's what okay. So, yeah. that's okay so what you do so we were just like, okay, but how do we get to another airport from Amsterdam? And especially to Cork, like there's only so many flights and airports that fly to Cork. And he was like, oh, um, the best option for you right now is to go to Brussels and fly out tomorrow morning, which means we have to stay the night in Brussels. And from Brussels, then we have to go to London Heathrow and stay another night in London so that's two nights and then we'll get a flight from Cork from London Heathrow oh god and I don't mind telling you Lauren from what you hear that London Heathrow ain't no picnic at the moment either yeah that's what we're worried about now as well that we get to London Heathrow and next thing you know we have the same problem again have you been able to book through so far book your flights or are you just going to take it on spec or what are you going to do uh, so they booked it. They rebooked it for us for free, thankfully. Oh, good. Oh, at least they did that for you. Yeah, yeah. And we were on about like hotel costs and like travel costs. And they said that they'll uh, reimburse it all. Oh, well, at least that's good. At least that's Yeah, yeah. Good. That's that's a silver lining. Yeah. Yeah. So, so they cancelled the flight this morning. When you got in touch, they told you best way home. You were trying to get from Amsterdam, just for anyone who came into the conversation late. Lauren, as people do. So you were trying to get from Amsterdam to Cork this morning, uh, got to the airport, yep. literally on the way to the airport, you discovered the flight was cancelled. Two hours on the flight, on, on the phone to Aer Lingus. Now, to be fair to them, they have booked routes home for you, but you've yeah. got to get to Brussels. Yeah, we got to get to Brussels. So um, even right now, as I'm on this phone call, I'm sitting on the train, currently heading to Brussels, which is two hours away. Okay, okay. Well, Brussels, yeah, Brussels, are you going to be there tonight, yeah? Yeah, so we're going to spend the day in Brussels. Yeah, Brussels is a nice... Try and make the most out of this. Brussels yeah, is a yeah. nice city. Brussels is a nice place. I've been there a couple of times. It's a nice city. Uh, yeah, I, uh, okay. Yeah, and they'll, they'll, um, 
they, they are they putting you up there tonight then yeah uh, so basically we have to do everything ourselves they said to keep all the receipts and uh, go online and okay. make the claim and can you get a room uh, we're looking now we're currently on the train looking for a cheap enough room in Brussels I mean a day notice isn't very cheap no. but we're looking no 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 I mean Amsterdam to Cork is a two hours about two hours 2.10 isn't it the flight it's going to take you two yeah. days like what they, yeah, no. you know I mean look you're at the end of a holiday it's into a weekend you don't seem overly stressed about it but can you imagine if someone had an emergency situation or needed to get home for an appointment or imagine God forbid you were going to a wedding or something tomorrow you know yeah no like I'm not stressed um, I don't really mind but like my parents like my dad wanted to work tonight and okay. my mom has work on Monday and so they're stressed over that yeah yeah I know I know <laughs> Oh, so yeah, well, uh, I get the first hurdle is get yourself a place to stay in Brussels, and then have they booked the flight for you tomorrow? They have. Yeah. They have. Yeah. So that is leaving at uh, seven or five in the morning. Okay, and then that'll bring you to to Heathrow, and then what time is the flight from Heathrow to Cork? Have they told you? Um, it's twenty past nine in the morning okay. on Sunday. Oh, oh yeah, you got to stay tomorrow. Oh crikey, good luck yeah. getting the room tomorrow night as well. You poor thing. Yeah. It, the more you Especially tell in me, London. the more you tell me, the worse it sounds. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like it is a, it is kind of a situation, but you got to make the most of it, I suppose. Yeah, 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 yeah. But that was no, that was no way to tell you. I mean, no. like they didn't actually tell you really because you you didn't find yeah. out until you got in the airport. Wow. Yeah, that's the thing that I'm like most upset about that they didn't tell us at all um, figured out at the airport like you know I could have had a nice lion this morning but <laughs> yeah had to wake up to find out that I know I know I know well look safe, yeah. safe, safe home eventually Lauren yes thank you thank you alright and I know it's it's, it's a dose it's a, it's a total dose but at least to be fair they're doing what they can for you although they might have told you I mean they didn't decide this morning at 6 o'clock they were cancelling that flight yeah 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 I know I I understand it's just a major hassle like especially like you know I, I was going to play a game with the Cork City women's tomorrow but now I can't make that okay oh, that's a bang that's a bummer that's a bummer yeah yeah all right, all right, Lauren. Listen, safe home when you eventually do get home. That's uh, Lauren, April uh and on their way home from a holiday uh, in Amsterdam uh, and Germany. Uh, I hate to be caught like that. Actually, where are we going from Amsterdam to Dublin? Tracy. Hello. How are you? What's up? I am stranded in Dublin Airport um, because our WestJet flight to Calgary in Canada was cancelled yesterday afternoon after they left 40 people on the plane and left 300 people on the other side because their system failed. Hold on, just roll back a second. So are you coming in or going out? I'm travelling to Calgary on holidays with my husband and my three children. Okay. And we were due to fly yesterday quarter to two. Right. Um, got to Dublin Airport at half eight, no problem. Really, really good setup in fairness to Dublin Airport Authority. Really good queues, you know, everything was moving along nicely. Right. It was fine, no panic, no major, you know, queues in front of us. We're just coming up to the WestJet deck, um, which was on, gate, on board number four, and it was a kind of, there was a, a, a stop down or I suppose a slowdown on it. And they told, told us the system error they would have it back very soon. 
lo and behold, five o'clock, no system um, came back. They were cancelling our flight. Um, they would communicate to us by email. Um, and to find out then at five o'clock that the flight did depart with 40 people that had gone through boarding. Ah, uh, no, 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 no. 40 people was the minimum they needed, to, the, the minimum they needed to have on a Dreamliner flight going to Calgary. They were on that they left. They went. They left the airport with forty with people and left people. the rest of it behind. It three hundred people. I'm actually in Dublin Airport now at the moment, trying to get another flight to Calgary. I've been told it's going to be another week, and to wait for my communication email. My frustration is I booked through an agency go to gate, can't contact them because it's automated. Does the girls here at the desk? They're obviously only doing their job. They're trying to contact WestJet. WestJet are saying it'll be a week. Wait for the email communication. Uh, hold on a second now. <laughs> they left. Hang on a minute. They left. I'm with trying a to get me. I'm trying to get. I, I was thinking. I, I was thinking. Right, flight cancel. So hang on. Let me. Let me just get me head around this now. Because again, you you are surprisingly calm. If if I've got the facts right. That's because I'm here and my husband's in the in the hotel room because he killed someone. You, uh, I can't blame <laughs> no, I work I work in hospitality. I understand these things happen. Ah, come but on. my point <laughs> being is communication is the problem. I know. There is there's a couple here in front of me. They booked through booking.com. They have got no communication. There's another couple coming back um, from a, a wedding in Ireland to Calgary. They can get a flight on Sunday with four stops, but they have nowhere to stay for the next two nights. Okay. There were 70 bedrooms in Crow Park Hotel last night and 16 in the Radisson for 300 people left here. The people here got a 15 euro allowance for the food um, from WestJet and they got bedrooms at half 10 at night. I went and booked my own hotel bedroom because I had three children. Um, I was lucky as such, but we would, we would have been left here until half 10. But my, I can't understand why we could have been checked on manually yeah. What did we do before technology? We had paper, yes, but yes, there was 40 yes. people, which was the minimum, on the plane to take off. And it, that did take off, and that landed. If you, it don't was mind, if you don't mind my saying so, Tracy, for me, that's the one I can't swallow. That's my problem, that there was 300 people on this side of the airport that couldn't get on. We, You know, like from a queuing point of view, and from a Dublin Airport Authority, that was all perfectly smooth. Everybody was queuing along nicely. Which is I great can't to understand. Hear. Yeah, which is great in fairness to them. But the point being is there was 300 people in a Z, a Z mark queue waiting here with 40 people who'd gone through security on a plane, on a Dreamliner plane, which is one of the bigger a ones. A big one, yeah. Yeah. That's unbelievable, Tracy. You couldn't yeah. make that up. No, you couldn't. And the point being now, here we are, since 7 o'clock this morning in the airport, trying to speak to somebody from WestJet to find out where we are. I've had no communication, so I, if I could physically speak to someone and say, look, I would go back to Cork, because I, I drove from Cork yesterday morning, I would go back to Cork and I'd fly Cork, London, London, Calgary. Yeah. But there's no one to tell, there's no to tell that. I go to Belfast if I have to, to fly to Belfast, because, you know, the kids are so looking forward to their first holiday in three I know, years. I know, a lot of money I know, I know. Don't mind going back to Cork. Fly Dublin, London, and London, Calgary. They won't. Can... The nearest one they can give me is next week. Um, there is nothing available because WestJet will not 
look for assistance from Air Canada or Aer Lingus or any of these other flights. Air Canada have availability of flights today, so do Aer Lingus, from Dublin to Paris and Paris to Calgary. Um, there's one couple going here. They got a flight for Sunday night, but they're going to Paris. Um, they have four different stops. Have you got travel insurance, Tracy? Oh, I have travel insurance and everything, and that's fine. Have, you called, like, have you called the insurance company? No, I haven't. Like, my main priority is to try and get a flight rebooked yeah. for the kids um, at the moment. Um, like WestJet are saying they'll compensate, compensate, you know, and you do the process, which will probably take about 18 months. That's not the thing. The problem is there's 300 people on one side of a, a barrier, 40 sitting on a Dreamliner, and no communication. No, that's not good enough. That's just and, not good enough. And it, they're very quick to say Dublin Airport's authority and the dram and the queues and all that. They actually had a really good system and a really good place in place, yeah. but it's WestJet. But again, technology, where what do we do before technology? That, but that's just the point. I mean, I, I take it that you had... The usual, you have a physical passport, you had a boarding yep. card, either okay. printed or on your phone. Yep. You, you had all these things. Yeah. Were the bags gone through? or, or had No, the bags were just to go through. The bags were just about to go through. But sure, listen, yep. they're, they're, they're like, what did they do before, like you said, technology? What, yep. what went down? What system went down? What the hell was... Apparently, like, some uh, fibre cables in Canada were just were damaged by a train. It was worldwide. Um, and I, if you were to listen to social media and the news out there. Um, but again, there's but, still 300 people here. But uh, hang on, a fibre optic cable, that whatever it was, that didn't stop yeah. the 40 people already on the airliner from... from no, getting... no, no, no. Uh, God, Tracy, God help you. God help yeah. you. I, 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 like I said, you're, you're surprisingly calm. I, I'd, I'd be halfway down a bottle of something at this stage. I would. Now <laughs> we're children. Let the cork people say a prayer. Tracy, listen, good talking to you, and I hope you do, you do get sorted, and you do get out to Calgary. And I'd say the kids are hopping, are they? Yes, very much so, very oh, much so. Yeah. All right. All right. That's great. Go and calm down your poor husband. Thanks, Tracy. <sighs> Ah, here, lads. I mean, she says they've sorted out the queues in Dublin Airport. That's great news. So there's a flipping airliner outside there. 40 people get on it. They're sitting there, hunky-dory, bags in the rack, saying, this plane's very quiet, lads. Very quiet. God, there's no... Very quiet. That's because there's 300 of them still inside there. Can't let them... Oh, am I glad I'm going out of Cork? Ready to go, go. The Cork's 96FM Best of Cork Awards are back It's time to nominate places and services that are the best in Cork Best in Cork From best beauty salon to breakfast Best takeaway to gym Hairdresser to hotel Best bar to best local tradesperson and more See 96FM.ie now to nominate Then stay listening It's about damn time the Best of Cork Awards with localheroes.ie for trusted tradespeople with a 12-month warranty backed by Board Gosh Energy. Only on Cork's 96 FM. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Text or WhatsApp now. 083-396-9696. On Cork's 96 FM. Now, it was around this time last week I was talking to Jamie. Uh, Jamie Good, and he was telling me about his little boy, Teddy. 
and about how he, Jamie, has donated a part of his liver to Teddy because uh, Teddy has a number of complex medical conditions. Thankfully, Teddy is on the road to recovery now, although he's got more surgery ahead of him, the little mite. But they have a GoFundMe, and it's great. The GoFundMe, actually, for the expenses incurred by the family is now on nearly 60,000, just over 60,000 euro, which is fabulous. But Jamie was telling me all about the diagnosis and the surgeries and his experience and Teddy's experience and the whole family's experience. And in the course of that, he was telling me about how the Irish Air Corps stepped in a number of times to help Teddy get to where he needed to be. The first time was for what they called a Kazai procedure. We flew to Leeds for that during the whole pandemic. Um, the Irish Air Corps took Teddy over because with his heart condition, they had to fly the plane at a low altitude to keep the air pressure uh, at the right levels for Teddy. Wow. Um, so that was great. Thanks to the Irish Air Corps for that. Um, so I flew to Leeds and we'd done the Kasai procedure. He spent uh, two weeks, three weeks in Leeds. We did as a family. The Irish Air Corps brought Teddy home. And it looked like the Kasai was working. Um, but as time progressed, it just showed that it, it wasn't. So then we had to look at the alternatives. Um, when we first went for assessment in Belgium for the liver transplant, he actually turned one in Belgium while we were there. Okay. Um, myself, him and his aunt went over because my wife was pregnant at the time. She couldn't fly, being 36 weeks pregnant. Yeah. So he was he was one. Uh, that was no, November, December, just gone. Yeah. Um, we went back in January for another assessment to check his heart. And all of that was facilitated by the uh, Air Corps. So we thought, they thought at the executive research desk of the Opinion Line and Cork's 96FM, wouldn't it be great to be able to talk to the Air Corps? Wouldn't it be even better if we could talk to someone in the Air, in the Air Corps who'd actually been with the family on one of those missions? That's exactly what I've been doing. Well, Commandant Peter Smith, Teddy's dad, Jamie, could not have been louder in his praise of the Air Corps, uh, yourself and your colleagues. And it's marvellous to be able to talk to someone who actually flew that mission uh, with uh, Teddy Good, baby Teddy Good. Tell me about it, Peter. Um, well, for, firstly, PJ, thanks to you and your team for having me on today. And yeah, it's, it's absolutely my pleasure to, to talk about um, this mission and uh, some of the work we do in general in related to this area. So, um, yeah, thinking back on that mission, I remember it well for a number of reasons. It happened in early 2021 um, when we brought Teddy and, and his parents over to Leeds. And the reason that sticks out is because, as we all remember, um, that was right in the middle of the pandemic. And um, it was great for us as an Air Corps to be able to carry out that mission because at the time, normal commercial traffic wasn't there. Our own operations were by by COVID and everything else. So the chance to, to engage in this air ambulance mission was, was fantastic for us. So um, the mission itself, I, I guess, from our point of view, was quite straightforward in that it was to transport Teddy, um, some members of the medical team and his parents to Leeds, Bradford. So for us, that that's quite straightforward. We're, we're very lucky in that the, uh, the aircraft that we have here in the Air Corps um, across all the fleets, uh, there are five different types which we can configure into an air ambulance um, setup as required. So I can speak obviously of the of the aircraft I operate, which is the the Learjet 45. 
which we operate within 102 Squadron. And we've actually transported Teddy on three separate occasions, but the first time was with my myself in, in the Learjet and our crew. Mm. And yeah, we, we, they, they arrived into Baldonnell on the morning, I think it was the 22nd of January. Uh, if, if memory serves, it was a cold, crisp morning. Uh, the temperatures were down, but, but all very flyable. Um, Teddy arrived with his, with his parents and the medical team. And yet we were able to, to transport them over to Leeds Bradford for onwards to transfer to the hospital and for, for, the, for the specialist treatment that Teddy needed. So, yeah, it, it stands out because we, we conducted that mission really in the height of the pandemic. Uh, it, it was really great for us as well to be able to, to do that uh, as part of our you know, day to day. I understand that it is what they call a low altitude flight, a particularly skilled mission, would you say? Um, yeah, to, to, I suppose to put that in context, just, just not, not to get too technical on it, but, but, but most of your listeners will, will probably have experienced on a flight that um, in order to keep, when you fly on an aircraft and it flies up quite high, you know, maybe into the 30,000, 40,000 feet range, uh, in order to keep the, the atmosphere livable, shall we say, the aircraft has to be pressurized. Um, so normally if you were flying on your commercial aircraft into Europe um, up at 30,000, 40,000 feet, the cabin altitude where you're sitting would be up somewhere between four and 6,000 feet. Well, so that puts a bit of extra stress on the body in terms of breathing and um, the way your body processes oxygen. So what we try to, what we can do uh, in the Learjet is that we can keep the cabin down at sea level. So in other words, we manually control the pressurization within the cabin and we can keep it down at sea level. So that uh, on the flight over to Leeds Bradford, we were able to do that for Teddy. That meant then that his body, his little body didn't have to work any harder than it would at, on the ground outside the aircraft. So I, I suppose from the, from the pilot's point of view, I, I won't oversell it. it, it we, you know, it's not, um, it's not overly difficult for us to do that. It just, means normally something that's handled automatically by the the, air, the aircraft's pressurization system. We take manual control of that and we ensure that it's kept down at sea level to, to, to take that little bit of extra pressure off Teddy and also the medical team who are looking after him. So yeah, that's that's one of the great things we can do in the Learjet and, and some of our other aircraft types as well um, to, to, to make it easier for the patient and the medical team. So that's that's what would have happened on that day as well. Would you do a lot of medical missions, Peter? Yeah, I mean, over the whole Air Corps, I, I, I can speak at, at squadron level and um, working within the squadron I work with, the Learjet 45. Um, it, it, it's not our primary uh, role, but it's certainly something we do engage in. And I suppose over the time I've been in the squadron, we, we do maybe six to 12 a year, depending on frequency. But that, that's just one squadron. If we look at the Air Corps as a whole, um, we've got five different aircraft, aircraft types that can be utilized in the air ambulance role, two helicopter types and three. Three uh, fixed wing, as we call them, or, or aeroplane types. So, um, on the helicopter side, yeah, we have um, what we call the the Airbus uh, military EC135, uh, smaller type aircraft, which uh, can do uh, carry a stretcher. But, but more significantly, I guess, in terms of ops, we have the uh, Leonardo 139 medium sized helicopter and. Where that would really come into play is our emergency air medical service based down in Athlone, which has been running for over 10 years now and provides uh, basically an airborne emergency ambulance service yeah. uh, to uh, people who would need it, who where road transport just wouldn't be fast enough to, to get them the treatment and the care that they need. So, so that's 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 a huge uh, that's 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 a huge part of what we do. Certainly on the rotary side, 
on the fixed wing side, the the as I am involved with the Learjet, yeah. uh, we have two other aircraft types: the P- Pilatus PC12. We have four airframes, and we have the Casa Maritime Patrol aircraft CN235s. And again, all of those can be configured for the air ambulance role, and 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 we do see a, a, a fair amount of activity in that area. Uh, in recent times, you will have seen in the media that we've been involved in, in um, helping out, I guess, with, with uh, personnel over it, from Ukraine, essentially. Yeah. There have been media stories on that where we've we've provided medical assistance in terms of transporting people to Ireland for necessary treatment. And other than that, yeah, we do a lot of um, on, the on-island stuff within Ireland would be handled a lot by the helicopters. And then the off-island, uh, you know, over to the UK and, and sometimes into Europe would be handled by the fixed-wing aircraft. And that would be for people who need specialist care, possibly transplant patients when an organ comes up where, you know, speed is of the absolute essence, that yeah. kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, how quickly can you, if you know someone needs to be somewhere, how quickly can you have an aircraft ready? Well, I guess um, I can speak about my own squadron, firstly. Um, probably from the time we're aware that, you know, there's a mission, we can be airborne, roughly speaking, within two hours. You know, wow. that's that's with having having the crew available and, and the aircraft ready to go. But we can, we can configure the Learjet from basically a, a passenger setup to an air ambulance setup in about an hour and then build in a little bit of time for, for just the necessary flight planning and stuff like that. So, yeah, generally speaking, we, we have turned it around in that we've from the time we've had a call um, that we've been airborne within two hours. Now, that's just the Learjet. You, you take into account the air ambulance service, or sorry, I should say the emergency air medical service down in Athlone. They're on constant standby. So, you know, I think they can be airborne in, in a matter of minutes from the time they get a call. And that's, that's their primary role uh, mm-hmm. down there in Athlone. When you filled out your your application form as a young fella to join the Defence Forces, the Air Corps, did you ever see yourself at this level flying missions like young Teddy Good? You know, it, it's a great question. Um, it's, it's it's a fair few years now. It's 17 years since I, or, or even longer now, since I filled in the application form. And I suppose reflecting on it, you know, you obviously when, you, when you're looking to enter into a career in, in the Air Corps and you, and you do your research, you, you know, you look at the roles that, 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 that are involved and the jobs you might be involved in, but you're just, at the time, I suppose, to a certain extent, you're reading them out and you're kind of learning them off. It's, it's only when you actually experience it that you get a real, you, you have a real world understanding of what it is you're involved in. So I, I guess for me, that's how it was. I, I knew that was would hopefully be part of the job one day, but it, it was effectively, I suppose, it's, it, my real introduction to it was when I started flying on the Learjet six years ago. And uh, yeah, when you, when you do your first air ambulance, it's, it's an amazing uh, thing because, you know, it, it's a job that, generally gives us really good job satisfaction um but when you get to be involved in something like that where you have a directly positive impact on, on you know members of the community and, and and people you look at that could be your own family uh, it's it's yeah it's it, it's an extra added dimension in terms of the job satisfaction just about to say to you like is it it must be very personally rewarding to to know that you've played a part in maybe turning someone's situation around or you know helping them through a crisis must be very personally rewarding well look absolutely i mean i i speak not only on my own behalf but on behalf i get i'm sure i can speak with confidence of of everyone currently serving in the air corps that yeah when you're involved in these missions and, and you you do get a sense of the positive impact that you're having and where you're able to utilize your training and your experience and and the resources that you're provided with you know it's just to have that real world impact for these families 
um, like Teddy uh, and, and his parents. Um, yeah, it, it does. It does give that, as I said, added uh, dimension of job satisfaction. And yeah, you know, it's 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 one of those ones that you know you remember all of the air ambulance missions in some way, shape, or form. We we do a lot of flying here, and it's and, and it's and it's all interesting and 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 uh, enjoyable in its own way. But yeah. but those missions stand out; they really do, and and they're the kind of thing that will stay with you for the rest of your life. There's there's no two ways about it. It's an interesting career for a young man or woman. I know the defence forces recruiting at the moment. Would you recommend it as a career choice, Peter? I absolutely would. Yeah, uh, as I said, it's it's. I joined in two thousand and five, so that's seventeen years ago. Qualified two thousand and eight, and it's it's a career that you know I, I I don't regret a day of it. I every day is it brings a new challenge, brings variety, brings um, you know an an area of interest that you mightn't have seen before. Uh, you you yourself are, are required to keep developing, keep progressing, and and uh, you know keeping yourself up to speed. Not not only from the aviation elements, but as you progress through the ranks as well, and and take on extra responsibilities. But yeah, I, I, I speaking for for myself, I can say that it's it's a career that has given me so much in so many areas. And yeah, it is. Uh, it's great to be a part of a team here. Like I said, with with the air ambulance, I need to be careful not to. You know, it, it is a team effort, yes. right from the, the, the technicians who get that aircraft ready and refuel it to the air traffic controllers who process the flight, flight plans uh, and then to everyone involved from the medical staff. So so to be a part of that team, you know, it kind of gives you, you know, when you, when you look for a job and you go, well, what would I like from a job? It kind of it ticks a lot of boxes. I, I'm, I'm, I'm very. That's something else we might not think of, actually, is that, you know, there's a whole, whole lot more to a mission than just the plane on the runway like. It's, it's an enormous effort. It, it is. It is. And I, I mean, that's what we're set up for here, though. We're, we, 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 as an as a, as an air corps, as, as part of the defence forces, you know, we, we stay in a state of readiness um, in terms of having people available, equipment available. That that's our goal. So that when we do get tasked with a mission, whether it be an air ambulance or or or, or some of our other roles, that you know, we are as ready as we can be. But yeah, it, it absolutely it, it's it it takes in so many different aspects to, to 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 get a mission like that. Excuse the pun off the ground. <laughs> Um, and, and I, you know, the medical crews, we have to we liaise with the HSE and the ambulance teams and the medical teams travel with us, you know, so there's a, there's a huge amount of cooperation and communication required to make all that happen. But as, as, as you can, as we've said, it's, it's, it's more than worth it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, listen, thank you very much for your time today. Uh, thank you for your service uh, at the Air Corps, you and all of your colleagues. And I think it was because when we spoke to Jamie, he was so enthusiastic about uh, your role that you played in, in Teddy's story that we need, we wanted to get one of you to talk to us today. And we're so glad that you did. Thank you very much, Commandant Peter Smith. Oh, PJ, my pleasure. And um, yeah, thank you again for, 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 for giving us the chance to speak. And, and I wish um, Teddy, uh, Jamie and Sheila all the very best. Uh, I hope everything goes well for them. And, and of course, all the, uh, the other families that we've been able to help through the years. And, and, and hopefully we'll be able to help a lot more as we progress. Thank you very much. Thank you. Bye bye. That's Commandant Peter Smith of the Irish Air Corps. These guys are the best in the business. Our thanks to the uh, our Air Corps Defence uh, Air Corps Press Office in helping to contact someone who was actually on the mission with Teddy. Thank you for that. They can Wayne Hilton. Wayne Hilton. The on Corks ninety six FM. 
Join me Saturday mornings from 10. I've got four hours of the best music mix. Check out the Cork Weekend Survey. Have a go at the Wayne Teaser question. There's the latest celebrity goss. A look at what's happening around town. And we'll keep you up to date with all your essential Cork news. Wayne Hilton. Saturdays, 10 a.m. With CarMax Used Car Supermarket. Dublin Road for Moy. Great deals on hundreds of cars. Just a short drive from the tunnel. Visit C-A-R-M-A-X-X. CarMax.ie. On Cork's. 96 FM. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Call us now. 0818 96 96 96. On Cork's 96 FM. Just getting back to Tracy's story with that plane that was supposed to leave Dublin Airport for Calgary in Canada and left with 40 people on it. Uh, leaving 300 people behind inside in the airport all set to go. That's ridiculous. They left 40 people on, says this message. We have sent an email to the media office of WestJet, which is the airline involved, uh, to query what the heck happened. Maybe they tell us. We'll see. If we hear anything, we'll let you know. PJ, Eddie says, I agree with the last caller. Communication is an issue at the moment with airlines. It is. It has always been. It has always been one criticism that people have. When something goes wrong at an airport and something isn't coming together as it should, trying to find someone that actually tell you what's going on is a nightmare. 0818 96 96 96 96. James McGowan, what is doghouse.ie? Good morning. Good morning. Uh, doghouse.ie is uh, a new website set up for uh, local people in, in cities, towns and villages to post derelict properties on uh, online and show everybody the extent of the problem. I know Cork City has a lot of derelict properties, so we've seen a lot of them come up on Doghouse already. I hope you have a lot of uh, up upload space for the Cork stuff, to be fair. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We're working to expand there. Um, we've just hit 199 properties, so it'd be great just to get to 200 uh, from Cork City. So mm. if anyone's listening, I think they should get on dog-house.ie. The inspiration and, uh, came from Cork, didn't it? That's right, yeah. Um, uh, Frank O'Connor and Jude Sherry, uh, who are two really, really great activists there who live in uh, Cork City and who kind of brought my attention to uh, this problem uh, I was following them on Twitter, and, and they kind of inspired me to uh, make this for uh, for all local people who are kind of fed up with uh, their the life being sucked out of their neighbourhoods by these uh, derelict properties. Let alone the fact that these derelict properties could be turned around and turned into homes for people. Exactly, we're in a we're in a housing crisis now. Um, new stats came out about vacant properties, um, and there's you know so many derelict properties. So um, I know I think priority one is is vacant properties, getting those back into action because as Jude and Frank will say, vacant properties are just the first step towards the dereliction. So um, I think you know vacant properties are the first thing, and then you know derelict properties. Why we're using these properties as stores of value when uh, and sucking the life out of neighbourhoods when people don't have a home. Yeah. I mean, if you own a vacant property, I guess someone might say, look, it's mine. Uh, I paid for it. Mm. I can do what I like with it. And, and I won't be told what I can do with it. We, we kind of yes. need to move on from that, though, don't we? I think, um, I think we do. I think, 
land ownership of land is you know it's a bit different because everybody has to live on the land you know uh, if somebody leaves a derelict property uh, go everybody suffers on the street and the whole town suffers the, the city suffers uh, everyone loses um, whereas I think it's actually a positive somewhere you know I think we need to get away from that old attitude and think you know look if we do this up everybody wins the owner wins the community wins the city wins you know um, I think that's the, the mentality we need to kind of think think more like. If anybody has a photograph they want to upload, it's doghouse-ie and I think the website it's does all the heavy dog lifting. Dog-house. Dog-house. Dog-house.ie. Dog-house.ie. It takes two minutes. two minutes. Yeah. Okay. All right, listen, James, thank you for that. That's uh, James McGarren. There's almost 200 houses already uploaded and it was only two weeks ago he set it up and uh, 200 people have signed up uh, by taking start to contribute photos as well which, which there's just so many of those vacant places out there anyone who knows her will know that our fiona has a happy place a very very happy place that she loves to go and anytime she's down there she tells the whole world she's there fiona has this love affair that's all you can describe it with Ross Carberry. I love Ross Carberry myself, but no, no, no. She, she'll just, just mention the name of the place and she'll talk about it till Tuesday. And she loves it. Which I'm sure she was delighted to read that Ross Carberry has been named as one of the 20 best places in Ireland to go for a holiday. This is a 2022 survey by the Irish Times, the best place to holiday in Ireland competition run in association with Fawcher Ireland people have been nominating since April members of the public did this too not 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 stuff shorty people in suits members of the public have been nominating their places the top 20 has been selected and then the overall winner will be selected from that it's described as one of West Cork's lesser known jewels an ideal location for a family holiday peaceful but with lots of activity too. Among the other places in the top 20 uh, would be Tremor, is there? Westport in County Mayo, Bundoran in County Donegal, the Causeway Coast in County Antrim, was there the last two years running, gorgeous part of the world, absolutely. Ackle Island in County Mayo, Valencia Island in County Derry, or County Kerry rather, Loch Derg, and they're voting, and the overall winner will be known very, very soon. We had a thought though, Ross Carberry would be Fiona's favourite place in all of Cork. So, let us put a little restriction on you. Let us pretend that the restrictions are back. Let us pretend that we can only go within our county for our summer holidays. And we're packing the car right now to go off on our summer holidays. But we can only go to Cork. Anywhere you like, from the Bearer Peninsula right down to the other end in East Cork. To y'all. Where do you want to go. You can't go over a county boundary, but you can go anywhere you want in Cork for a holiday. Ross Carberry seems to have got a massive number of votes. 85 nominations in fact. The most a single location got in this competition with the Irish Times. But where would you go? So I've told you, restrictions are back. Right? You can only stay in Cork County for your holidays, which start today. Like mine do. They start today. Where would you go? Where you can only go to Cork. I think I know mine. 
I, I, I'm almost certain I know mine, actually. I used to go there as a small boy, and, and I would go back down there in a heartbeat. But where would you go? 083 396 96 96. Bit of fun for a Friday. When we're enjoying Elton John and Dua Lipa, are you getting a cold heart? Has our love for Dermot Kennedy made you hope better tunes are coming? What I want. Tell us the music you want to hear. And what songs should disappear with the Cork's 96FM Music Panel. Take our 10-minute music survey. And you could win a 100 euro penny voucher. Give it a go right now. Find the link on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. C96FM.ie The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM Hear the full show on our app by podcast or on 96FM.ie The lines are live And we're ready to talk Can we just talk? Call 0818 9696 Text or WhatsApp 083 396 9696-9696-9696-9696-9696-9696-9696-9696-9696-9696-9696-9696-9696-9696-9696-9696-9696-9696-9696-9696-9696-9696-9696-9696-9696-9696-9696-9696-9696-9696-9696-9696-9696-9
and it's offering foreign patient care to people from Ireland under the treatment scheme, cross-border inter-country treatment scheme by the HSE. So you go and have your hip replacement or your cataract or your knee or whatever. You go to this hospital to have it done. You pay for your flights and accommodation. There's a credit union involved first plus first south rather who will lend you the money if you need a loan for the money and then that'll pay for the surgery and then the HSE will do the reimbursement and it all works quite well and there's a private company has been set up to do all the heavy lifting for you as well healthcare oh so it now the the reaction to this was varied yesterday the people who you would expect to criticize it criticized it the people who you would expect to welcome it as a new idea welcomed it as a new idea and I don't particularly know where you come down on on either side of that but that's kind of not what we're here to discuss because yesterday I also noted uh, when I was talking to Neve Griffin from the examiner who was over there that a man called Michael Carroll uh, who I believe is from Ballyfahan had been in the in the hospital having Michael was it was it cataract operation good morning to you good morning to you how are you, yes, sir? Yes, I had the two eyes done. When did you have them done? Uh, last Tuesday week and last Wednesday week. Okay, okay. And how long had you been waiting on the surgery before that? Well, I was looking at the cross-border initiative and <clears throat> my intentions were to go north. Yes. But I, I had seen a post by one of the TDs saying that the next bus to Northern Ireland would be probably the last. I see. I I was a bit nervous because the time frame for the North would have been a lot longer, would have been over a 12-month period. I see. And with the, the Assembly not sitting up there, it looked like that would put me outside the time limit. I see. So I've Googled healthcare abroad and they had me sorted within an hour. Really? How so, did you, was that I, how, a simple Google search found you the hospital? Not the hospital, healthcareabroad.ie. I see. Oh, that's the company that does it all, yeah. Okay. The, the company. Okay. And sorry. they arranged everything from doctor reports, medical reports, the whole lot. So. You were over there having your operation done last week. How long did it take yeah. to set the whole thing up from the day of that Google search? It's just a matter of two weeks. Right. And financially, how does it work out, Michael? You obviously have to, I think you have to get your own flights and accommodation, correct? Yeah. Okay, and you made a little... There is a little portion of that allowed for by the HSE as well. Okay. Which the operations themselves cost 4000 here. Yes. We are in the north, it would have been 7800 sterling. Yes, yes. Which is a big difference. So, so we took out a loan from the credit union for the 4000 and right. the HSE will reimburse that. Yes. I think it takes 12 to 14 weeks. I see. But it's just the paying the interest for that time, if if you understand what I I'm do, saying, of course. I do, of course. And that's all done through this this website. They do they do all the heavy lifting, as it were. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Everything is arranged. There's a full team here from healthcare abroad. 
and they they do the transfers and everything. They're they're a marvelous team. So you arrived there last Tuesday week and you checked into the hospital. Take take it up from there. Well, first morning it was a nine o'clock start. I was in the theatre for about three and a half hours, but most of that is just prep. Yeah. You know, you're suited, you're brought to stage one, stage two, you get the anaesthetic, and they leave you for an hour then to rest. And you go along, it's like a conveyor belt. Yeah. But the staff, the medical team here are unbelievable. And I'm told they all speak English, do they, Michael? Yeah. The majority of them spoke English. I couldn't say enough about them. Yeah. And the facilities are... It's a brand new hospital, by all accounts. Now, before you you went in... Then I was different. I was in a different hospital that's just for eyes. Oh, I'm sorry. Okay, okay, okay. So, so when you were going in and and you yeah. were looking in front of you, what could you see? Like, could you see me if I was sitting across it's the room from me? Totally blurred vision. Right. I had a problem with balance. Half the time I didn't want to go out because I was afraid in case I'd fall. I see. But now I'm a new man. Yeah. I'm looking for a, a position on a cartoon now. <laughs> it's that good. I'll, I'll be back in training in the, the next week, I'd say. It's that good, Michael. Oh, it's unbelievable. And, and how Even quickly I'm after the operation? It was fantastic. How how quickly could you see? How how quickly could? Well, my wife was putting in the the drops about five or six hours afterwards, and I was shocked to see how clear the light was. Amazing, amazing! No, it was awkward having the patch on because I was a bit unsteady. Sure, but the following day when the patch came off, it was unbelievable. Was it a little bit emotional, Michael? Well, I tell you, I was, I was very nervous because I didn't know what to expect. Yeah. But when you have the medical team there, and they're so reassuring, yeah. they really put you at ease. Yeah. Well, and I wouldn't be one of the best patients around. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm, I'm delighted for you. Would you, you'd recommend it, Michael? Would you? Would I'd highly recommend it, even if it was, even if you only made a phone call to them. Yes. Because they put you totally at ease. And what's available here is unbelievable. Yes. I've been talking to people that had hips, knees, yeah. uh, the gastric bands. Crikey. And I mean, the facilities here are just top class. All right. Okay. Well, certainly it, it, it is. Utilizing a lot of those areas. Fabulous. It, is, it has worked out really well for you and um, our, our regards to you. Michael and to your wife Geraldine who who travelled with you and you took a little bit of a holiday at the same time and why wouldn't you? Michael Carroll, he had cataracts done in Spain uh, through this scheme and you can hear it in his voice. Uh, he, he's, he's, a, he's a new man, as it were. Uh, thank you, Michael. 0818 96 96 96. Uh, you can Google it. It'll come up and... 
if you were listening to any of the discussion programmes yesterday, any of the news programmes, like there was some people were given out about it, some people were saying it's a fantastic idea and let's realistically say we have to do things like this at the moment. We wish we didn't, but we do. 0818 96 96 96. Some of your favourite places. Mary says y'all. Has to be y'all. Mary Jane, Ballycotton. Beautiful Ballycotton. Lovely place. In Chidani, I used to go there when I was a child, right down on the beach. The staff, the hotel staff are fabulous and the food's great. We got married there, although we're from Leash. Uh, you see. Uh, Garrettstown, the old head, Kinsale and Balance Spittle. One of the best beaches and the food in the speckled door. Oh, I haven't been there for a long time, but yeah. Uh, Cape Clear, says Ian. Winds hands down. Beautiful spot. Haven't been on Cape Clear. I'd say it's it's 20 years minimum since I've been on Cape Clear. Love it down there. They only get a chance. Y'all again. Y'all again. And if you keep them coming, we'll, we'll, we'll find the favourite of the listeners to the opinion line today. We know Ross Carberry seems to be the favourite of the people nominating for the Irish Times, but we'll find out the favourite of the people. We just count what comes in. Y'all is presently ahead, I think, with two distinct nominations. 083 396 You go on your holidays today. You can only go to Cork. Tell me where and why. Question number nine. What does the B in BMW stand for? Bavarian. Question number ten. What singer announced that his new album will be called Sonder? Dermot Kennedy. Sonder is the new album. Go on. From Dermot Kennedy. Well done, 2,000 euros. Georgina, Georgina, you're the winner. I'm sorry, I took it off time. I'm sorry. That was my New Year's resolution to win it. Oh my God, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. Well done. Oh my God, thank you for making my life. Stacking up the cash. 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 With two grand minutes. Listen to play at 7.40 and 8.40 every day. On Casey and Ross in the morning. Sorry. Cork's 96FM. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Call us now. 0818 96, 96, 96. On Cork's 96FM. Just on the weather, I'm saying it now about this few hotter days from Sunday on. Cork mightn't really be at the party due to cloud cover. It's a pattern down our way for the past few months. Early starts with blue skies, then the cloud starts coming in until it's thick by the afternoon. Along with that, then it's way cooler. I imagine the same for Monday and Tuesday. Good call. I'll check what the app says. I promise you, because you can look right into it with the Dark Sky app, which never leaves me down. I'll tell you that now for sure. But it's a good one. We have had a lot of, co- of, of cover. There have been some evenings where we've had a beautiful morning and a lovely afternoon, and it's just too cold to sit out in the evening because the cloud has come flying in. I'll check that one out for you. Uh, I'm prepared to take that on and, and, and check it out. 0818 96 96 96. Now, Ita Rainey joins me to talk about click mod, which is an interesting concept. Ita, good morning. Good morning, PJ. What is click mod? Um, well, basically, click mod is a new startup company. Which whose mission is to bring um, access to every child in Ireland, to bring access to STEAM learning for for them. 
So it grew out of a collaboration with a, an American company that was founded by two professors of maths in Stanford. And what they wanted to do is they wanted to um, come up with some kind of new, innovative, interactive way of engaging young people in the learning of maths. So what they've done is they've actually gamified it. So it's now a 3D environment. So if you go on to the Let's Mod website, you go in and it's a 3D environment. But the big thing is that it's all powered by maths. Right. So there's no more coding like we used to have before. Now, we're familiar with STEM, but you mentioned yes. a thing called a concept called STEAM. What's the difference? Well, the difference basically is for years now, it's been recognized that, you know, for our younger students, our younger generation coming up, they're going to need a lot more skills, a lot more soft skills along with the hard skills they have. So for years, we've talked about science, technology, engineering and maths. And that's a particular approach to learning whose aim is to equip young people, not just with the hard skills of uh, maybe coding or operating machines, whatever, but also the soft skills of collaboration, communication, um, teamwork, problem solving. Because the, the thinking is, as we all know, there are a lot of global issues going on now, global problems. So what we're trying to do with a STEM or STEAM approach is to get young people engaged and get them ready for what's coming down the line. And what's coming down the line is what's called the innovation economy. So that's what the camp that I'm on here to, uh, with your, which I thank you for, to tell people about. So ClickMod, in collaboration with this platform designed by the professors of maths in Stanford, we have um, negotiated 10,000 sponsored places on the Let's Mod, Mod the Metaverse summer camp. So what that means then is, and it's at no cost to parents. 10,000 okay. places, I said. 10,000 places. Because what, <laughs> I know, what we want to do is like, we're so passionate about this. We want to try and show the young people and their parents that there is a way to break this kind of stigma associated with maths learning or science learning. So if you go on to the camp, basically what you do there is um, the young people, as they go on, anyone from 8 to 16 years of age, um, the aim of the camp is that they themselves will create either maybe a game, an animation or a simulation. And that will all be age appropriate because what LetMod does is it can actually track the child's ability and capability and then it can um, readjust the learning for them. So wow. basically, yeah, it's a really, really a new concept in learning. And not only that, but with the um, Let's Mod capability, you also then form a part of a team. So you're learning the hard skills, say, of coding, using maths as your coding language. Mm. And then when you get into a team and you've got to maybe mod a machine, that means you modify something or you make it, then you're working with other young people as well. And that's where those STEM soft skills come in. Are you a maths teacher yourself, Aita? I know you're a teacher. Are you a maths teacher? I am, yeah. Well, actually, I have a checkered career. I, I was in business for about 30 years right. and uh, ran different uh, uh, businesses. But then I went back to my first love, which is maths, yeah. you know. Yeah. And what I found, 
Yeah, go on. I, no, I, used to, I, no I, I ask because I, I, I used to love maths myself, but I, I, I think it has changed a lot over the years. So possibly since when you learned it and when I learned it, it's, it's a different subject. And, and people were then, and I think are now, a little bit afraid of it. And if you can combat that fear through something yes. like this, you're really onto something. That's absolutely correct. And that's what this is all about. This camp is all about showing children that you can have fun, you can interact with others, you can design, you can create, you can modify, that's the click mod, and enjoy it all. While you're at the back of it all, you're learning your maths because that's how you're going about it. And the other thing about this is Let's Mod, there has been uh, research done into it, and it has shown that by being on the platform for around a half an hour, a week over a six-week period that children's attitudes to maths improved so they weren't afraid of it anymore they were beginning to like it and also their actual maths ability increased by 27 percent so they tested them yeah so that's why i'm on and i'm so thrilled that you've given me this opportunity to tell all your listeners about the camp um would you like me to go into a little bit about that how it works. Well, yeah, how do they get involved? I mean, it's, it's, uh, this is the bit yeah. I can't get. There's 10,000 places and they're free. Yes, absolutely. So what it is, this platform is such a robust platform, is if you go on to clickmod.org, that's our website, www.click, and it's a capital C-L-I-C-K, capital M-O-D.org. Once you go on there, you will see a button, apply for the camp. All you need to do to apply is put in a parent, if they want a parent's um, email address, child's name and their age. And the beauty about this camp is that you could be interacting. It's a global camp. So our Irish students here or our Cork students, they could be um, collaborating with somebody maybe in India or in America, Azerbaijan or anywhere like that. Hang on. According to the document I have in front of me about it, there are 10,000 places in Ireland. So, so how, Absolutely, how in many, Ireland. How many people might be taking part in this, Isa? This could be, it's a global, it's a global initiative. <laughs> so the platform is so robust, the platform can deal with millions at the one time. And not only that, as the players are on and they're doing their thing in the camp, it's also creating an individual learning program for that te- for My that. Um, yeah, this absolutely. is like something out of science fiction. I mean, you could end up yeah. with the children of the world discovering a new way to do something that has bothered us all for generations. And that's absolutely it, PJ. That's the whole approach about this. We're in a global economy. Um, We have to think big coming down the line. So now if we can get our young people involved in collaborating with other people, like through this camp, then as problems come up, they will be given those problems to solve. So it's an ongoing learning experience where they're getting um, all their hard skills and they're also getting their soft skills. And the big thing about it, as I said, is it's age appropriate and it's level appropriate. There is no bar to any child applying for this. Some children may have learning difficulties. It can look after that. Some people are beyond their age and their capability and it can readjust for that. So basically, there's all levels um, can actually come on board and the plan is there for them. You know what? 
I'm only going mad I'm a small bit too old to do it myself I, it's, it's fantastic <laughs> this is an innovative idea this is brilliant um, it's called ClickMod Ita Rainey uh, thanks for that ClickMod just clickmod.org and it does everything for you and it's 10,000 places in Ireland free of charge three hours a week for six weeks uh, for children aged 8 to 16 and they've thought of they seem to have thought of everything and who knows what we could invent I wish myself actually that they could invent a way that would take us back I, I know I've said this before but I'm sure parents who learnt to do subtraction in school and now are looking at the way that their children are doing subtraction in school I'm sure you agree it was like they took all of our maths books all of our subtraction books and translated them into flipping Hebrew. We used to borrow the one and carry it over and give it back and the one is floating around either on the paper or in your head. Now they put the one upstairs and they start changing. First of all, who came up with that? And secondly, if the children of the world can take us back to where we were, it'll have been worth the effort. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Now I'm just looking up to see the cloud cover over the next few days here in Cork. About 46%, 40% cloud cover. That might sound like a lot, but it's not. The sun will really break through that and it will be very hot. Tuesday, you're looking in around the same, more more cloudy on Tuesday. Sunday and Monday, certainly a lot less cloud and they're going to get hot. They really are going to get hot. And if we're suffering our doggies are suffering even more. It can be a very tough time for your dog, uh, so it can. Uh, so, Karina Fitzsimons um, is PR and Communications Manager for Dogs Trust. And one of the things I see you shouldn't do, Karina, is don't rush to get the dog shaved. Why is that? Good morning. Hi, PJ. Yeah, so dogs, their coat is, basically dogs cope with heat different than humans so they can't sweat through their skin like we can and they're not very good at controlling their their body temperature and heat especially dogs with squashed faces like french bulldogs and boxers and pugs because their airways are much shorter so they can't cool themselves effectively as other dogs dogs coats serve a purpose many dogs have two layers in their coats and we'd always say if you have a dog who has a longer coat always seek the advice of an expert groomer 
because there may be a case of the dog can be trimmed, but if you actually shave off all their hair, they've no protection from the sun and the sun is going directly to their skin, which ordinarily wouldn't be exposed. So they can actually end up with heat stroke and be really badly burnt as well. So if you have any questions about your dog's coat, we'd recommend you speak to a groomer about it. That's that's a great point because I know a lot of people are saying, right, I better, I better cut the hair on that dog because he's going to bake. Actually, no, that's protecting him in a strange way. Um, another thing. Yeah roads and tarmac in particular and tiles and stuff can get very hot if it's too hot for us to touch it's too hot for them to walk on absolutely so if you pop your hand in the back of your hand for about four or five seconds and if it's too hot for you it's too hot for your dog what we'd say is a lot of people can look outside and think, oh, it's a bit cloudy and overcast today but it's really the temperature that makes a difference to the dog it's not just a sunny day So, as I said, because dogs find it difficult to dissipate heat and to control their body temperature in heat, we'd recommend just not walking your dogs at the hotter times of day at all. Um, If you can, walk them really early in the morning or after the sun has gone down, just on on warmer days. In particular, as as you mentioned there, Sunday and Monday look like we could even have a record break in temperatures in Ireland. So we'd recommend to please avoid bringing your dog out during the daytime on those particular days mm. and we've lots of advice on our website dogstrust.ie cool to be kind we've loads of different things you can do to keep your dogs busy because i know some listeners will think oh god if we don't bring him for a walk he'll 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 be mad for the day no he there's won't. lots of things you can do at home yeah. yeah and he'll also seek his own shade i've watched my own two dogs do it on a hot day lately they'll seek their own shade you ah, come on out no no they're they're seeking their own corner and something i learned a few years ago karina in some breeds the little pads on the base of their paws can get burnt in the sun. Oh they can because they absolutely can and and like dogs who have pink noses or um, white coats as well are more susceptible to to sunburn but what we'd say is to only ever use um, a sunscreen that's recommended by your vets because there's often products and ingredients and in the human that they anyway. can be toxic yeah. yeah but just to your point there on dogs in the shade some dogs aren't very good at seeking shade. I have two myself and one loves the shade and the other one sits outside with his face closed and or his eyes closed looking up to the sun like a sun worshipper and he actually has to be brought inside every few minutes. Oh, um, he, he would sit out there all day if he could which obviously you know, is not, is not poor healthy. So, poor old um, yeah, need, need, need to have a word there. And one last I one, know. Karina, about hydration. A vet said to me, never, and you would think it's a normal thing but never put ice in their water. To be honest, the reason why people talk about ice and there's a little bit of an urban legend around it, it's not the fact that ice is bad for dogs. It's the fact that ice is bad if they're overheating or they're sus- or they're, you suspect heat stroke because what you don't want to do is change their body temperature too quickly so mm. they go from being hyperthermic to being hypothermic. But if a dog, it is okay to have cool water. It is okay to give them objects that have been in the freezer and, and frozen, like for enrichment sure. and stuff. But but never, ever, if you suspect your dog is too hot, never, ever give them freezing cold or cold water. Just give them room temperature. Yeah. Because as I say, you don't want to shock their body into going into okay. hyperthermia. All right. If and, and, and the thing is, if you're struggling, they're struggling. And that's probably the best rule of thumb. Karina, thank you. Karina Fitzsimons from Dogs Trust Ireland. Keep them safe. Keep them in the shade. They'll seek shade themselves, but if they don't, you need to keep it. And don't, they don't need to walk them. They don't need to be walked 
in the heat of the day. Walk them when it's cool in the evenings. We're heading into the weekend at Cork's 96 FM. Have you signed up for Park Run in partnership with VHI? Walk, jog, run or volunteer at your local Park Run every Saturday morning at 9.30. Find your local Park Run with their biggest supporters VHI and sign up at parkrun.ie Can we just talk the Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Text or WhatsApp now. 83 96 On Cork's 96FM. Still looking to know where you'll go on your holiday if it's only Cork you can go to. Some lovely ones coming in and I will come back to them. But you might want to bring some books with you. I know that the, one of my great pleasures on holidays is books. I can go through a book a day easily on my holidays. Now, Shane Dunphy has written two series of crime novels. You might enjoy them if crime novels are your thing. There's two series. There's the Boyle and Keneally series. That's a trilogy. And then there's four books in the Davy Dunnigan series. And they're all investigators, criminologists, consultants. They're based in Dublin. But Cork makes a regular appearance. Jesse Boyle uh, is a profiler and Davy Dunnigan is a criminologist. And they're great characters and some they meet some weirdos along the way. But great books and great stories. Shane, and as I said, Cork makes a regular appearance in the books. Shane himself, who who writes under the name of S.A. Dunphy, is from Wexford. Shane, it's not very often I discover a new author and then read four of their books in, in three weeks. I've moved on to Dunnigan after finishing Boylan Keneally. You're onto something good here, lad, but let's start with you. Child protection was your, your background. Yes, indeed. Yeah, um, I'm. I'm on the record. Uh, I, I, I kind of went went public a couple of years ago about the fact that I'm a survivor of clerical abuse myself. So, I had um, some uh, fairly unpleasant experiences growing up in the Ferns Diocese in Wexford, which is kind of ground zero, I suppose, for clerical abuse um, in in Ireland in the 70s and 80s. So, I kind of came out of secondary school determined to bring the fight to them. Really, so I went and I I, I trained as a well, what was called childcare work at the time. There was no such thing as um, sort of child protection or community childcare work. There were social work teams, and what I wanted to do was specifically work with kids. Um, so I did that for for fifteen years, mm. and then I, I had a, a fairly serious car accident, and was in a wheelchair for six months. And you, you can't really do very active child protection work when you're um, laid up like that. So I I applied for a job as a a teacher, basically training people to do child protection work. And that gave me the wonderful uh, summer holidays that teachers get. When when I was, had those couple of months, I suppose that that encouraged me back to writing. Now, initially it was academic writing. Mm. And my my first book, uh, Wednesday's Child, began life as a PhD thesis. And my academic supervisor at the time, a lovely man called Dr. Arthur Williamson, who was in the University of Belfast, suggested that I was writing a chapter of theory followed up by a case study, um, kind of a story, if you like, to Mm. illustrate the academic theory that I was writing. And he said that these case studies are telling me a hell of a lot more about what it is you're trying to say than the academic stuff, which probably says a little bit about my my skills as an academic author. So he said this, these probably weren't being published on their own. Mm. So we published a few of them in some academic journals. They got a very good response. And he then said, look, there's probably a book here. Would you consider 
um, publishing these as a book. Mm. So I spent one Sunday afternoon in um, 2005, I sat down and cobbled together the first couple of case studies that I'd written um, into chapters with dialogue and descriptive passages and things like that. Mm. And um, between the jigs and the reels, I sent it to a literary agent first who wasn't remotely interested. And I then decided um, I'd read a book by Gilla, that had been published by Gillian Macmillan called Tales in the Rearview Mirror um, by about a taxi driver in Dublin. I gave them a ring and they were interested. Um, I sent them in the first few chapters and a couple of hours later I got a phone call saying that they were interested in buying the uh, the book, basically. Nice. So uh, I then had to go away and write the damn thing, which uh, <laughs> that was a bit I hadn't planned, but um, I said, I spent a few months writing it. Now, I thought that Wednesday's Trial was going to be my only book. I thought that I would publish it. I'd have a book with my name on the spine, which would go on the shelf, and I could show it to my grandkids, and that would be great. Yeah. And my absolute shock and horror, it went to number one on the non-fiction bestseller list and stayed there for six weeks. Yeah. And um, the rest is kind of history. Um, I, the, the Gillian McMillan um, offered me another two book deal. Penguin came in and said they wanted to publish the books outside of Ireland. And I published nine of the child protection books. Um, after which time I had moved to Little Brown as my publishers. And they kind of said, would you be interested in writing a crime novel? Now I'd had an idea for a crime novel. Yeah. For, before I'd written the uh, the nonfiction books. And this became After She Vanished, the first Donegan story. Now, initially, Donegan was, they say, write what you know. In my initial pitch, Donegan was a child protection worker. Right. And the, the pitch for the story went like this. That basically, when I was in college, a friend of mine named Graham um, had taken his key child, who's kind of like the child he had responsibility for in residential care, out Christmas shopping. They'd been standing um, outside the Stevens Green Shopping Centre, listening to carol singers, and he was holding the child by the hand. The child slipped her hand out of his for a moment. He reckoned to scratch her nose or whatever. He looked down a minute later and she was gone. And and that's the start of, of the Dunnigan. That's the start of the Dunnigan series. Where yeah. I wanted it to, to come in is he and Jesse Boyle, and they're all, may I use the word, Shane, oddballs. They are. Dunnigan is a genius, but yes. a total oddball. <laughs> he is. He's a very strange character, yeah. You don't know whether to like him or want to hit him, you know? Yes. Jesse Boyle is a very, very strange character. Are they based on real people that you've come across in, in the dark world of child protection? Yes, very much so. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I did, did child protection as I said for 15 years. I still do it as a consultant. I do a lot of work with various different organisations. I have worked with the National Bureau for Criminal Investigation in Ireland um, on a number of different cases. And I've met lots of different people, um, a lot of whom, if you want to survive in that, that world, you need to be quite strained. You need to be quite insular in a lot of ways. Um, a lot of people who get into that kind of work get into it for all kinds of different reasons. Many of them are quite damaged in their own way. Mm. Uh, many of them have had tough lives. Um, and many of them have to kind of shut themselves down emotionally to deal with the awful stuff yeah. that you're dealing with yeah. on a day-to-day -day basis. Yeah. Both himself and Jesse Boyle are broken people, Shane, I would suggest. Very much so, yeah. Very much so. And the people around them try to try to get through to them. 
Yes. Uh, I mean, the, 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 breakout, the breakout character in the Donegan series is Miley, yeah. who is um, Donegan's best friend. He's brilliant. Uh, Miley is a, a young man living with Down syndrome um, who Donegan is asked to show around um, Harcourt Street, which are the offices of, of, of the um, National Bureau of Criminal Investigation are. And he ends up kind of inadvertently, not even because he wants to, taking Miley under his wing. That's right. And Miley, for all that he has uh, Down syndrome, is actually he's not intellectually disabled, as, as many people with Down syndrome are not. Yeah. Um, society disables them. And, but Miley is incredibly emotionally intelligent and incredibly emotionally resilient. And in a way, he becomes Donegan's emotional compass. Just going to say that he becomes the side of Dunnigan that's actually missing. Yeah. All the stories, again, across the two series, Shane, they're police procedural. It's a, it's a skillful mix of total fantasy and police mm. procedural. Some, you might use the word far-fetched, but you always manage to wrap them back into reality in the end. Yes. Um, what I want, I mean, they both live in the same world. So um, Donegan and Jesse are both living in that same version of Ireland. And as, as, the, as, as, you'll, as you saw, if you, you read the, the Jesse Boyle series first, you know, Donegan's case is kind of overlap with hers in a, in, in, in a way. And some of the characters show up in, 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 right. in Jesse's series as well. What I want to do is create a kind of a heightened version of Ireland. Uh, one of the great feedback that I got about the um, Dunnigan series, um, Dublin, a lot of people tell me Dublin is very much a character in, in, in the books. And I wanted it to be, but it's a slightly heightened version. Of, of Dublin. It's a heightened version of Ireland. Yeah, there's a lot of strange things. There's a lot of fantastic things happen. I wanted, I wanted there to be real threat. They're larger than life. The threats. Large and life, really terrifying. I mean, when he encounters a character like, for example, I don't want to give too much away for people who haven't read the books, but, you know, like Frobisher is, is the big baddie across the entire series. Mm. And he is a repellent character of, of the worst kind. He's utterly inhuman. And I wanted to put Donegan and his crew up against people like this because I wanted the reader to feel there is an absolutely genuine threat here yeah. that these people are going up against. As the series goes on, people die. And people die terribly. But then in the middle of it all is this lunatic priest. <laughs> <laughs> Father Bill, yeah. People love Father Bill. There's a bit of wish fulfillment in, in, in Father Bill for me because, as I said, I, I'm a survivor of clerical abuse. Yes. I grew up um, knowing a, lo a lot of priests who did not represent what they were supposed to. And for a long time, um, I, had, I had grave difficulty being around clerics at all. Um, yet, interestingly, my mother was a nun. Uh, my mother um, actually was a, in an enclosed order for 10 years before she, she left and obviously then met my dad subsequently and hence I exist. But um, So I grew up in a house where there was an awful lot of people coming and going who were members of the church. Um, and over the years, I have, I, I, as I kind of realized, okay, you can't tar everybody with the one brush, I kind of met various priests. I mean, a lot of people said to me, is Father Bill based on um, Father Peter McVerry? I've met Father Peter McVerry, and obviously Father Bill is working in a unit not unlike, yeah. um, you know, the, the, the Merchant's Key Project in, in Dublin. He deals with the homeless people. But I wanted him to be the kind of priest that you kind of would really want in your corner. For all the fact that, as you say, he's crazy, and he is. <laughs> Yet at the same time, he's on the side of the angels. You know, he's as likely to puck the head off you for doing something <laughs> wrong as he is to say a prayer but I, I needed somebody who was physically quite yes. dominating and who could look after that side of things because Dunnigan is not a fist fighter. Dunnigan knows how to take a punch 
he has to take quite a number of them, as we discover. And so, he takes quite a number of them, yeah. Over, over the two series, Shane, they're, they're, they're both ideal holiday reading, and that's why I wanted to talk to you. Mm. First of all, I want to know, is there more mm. of each coming? Yes, there is. Um, at the moment, uh, Boyle and Kennelly are taking a break because I've been asked to do a new series for Book Couture, which I'm working on at the moment, which is, go- which is going to be a new um, sort of three part. And then I'll be going back to Boyle and Kennelly again. So um, they kind of want to let the Boyle and Kennelly get out into the world and, mm. you know, kind of, you know, catch people's attention. And we'll be coming back to it then because obviously the third book ends on quite a cliffhanger. Donegan ends on a bit of a cliffhanger as well. Um, that, that the cycle of those first four books comes to an end and we leave our heroes and our villains some of them kind of ready to pick though pick that story up again and I, I fully intend to good 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 any any sign of television interest because these are made for miniseries yes um there there is currently a um, well-established and quite well-known tv group looking at at donegan um, we're in the early stages of negotiations whether it happens or not at this stage i've kind of learned because um the movie version of The Boy That Tried to Hide, which is the ninth in my child protection series, is is starting filming at the end of this year and took seven years, I think, of of development to get to that stage. Um, Also, um, a short film adaptation of of Wednesday's Child, my first book, has just won the um, best short film at the Galway Film Flap. And uh, we're we're hoping that there may be some interest in in turning that into something. Well, I've no doubt that we will talk again. I I could spend a long time discussing the plots and the intricacies and the characters of both series of books. I look forward to the next series. I imagine they'll go into quite a number of suitcases because they're perfect holiday reading. (laughs) I really appreciate that. Thanks very much for the conversation. That's Shane Dunphy writing as S.A. Dunphy. The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. Hear the full show on our app, by podcast, or on 96FM.ie. The lines are live. And we're ready to talk. Can we just talk? Call 0818 966 96 96. Text or WhatsApp 083 396 96 96. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. On Cork's 96FM. This came in to us overnight and I promised I would read it out. Uh, PJ, is there any hope that you would reach out for me? On your show. I lost a very special bracelet on Thursday between 11 and 12 in the day. I got it off my only child, Alan, who has since passed away. I'm very sorry to hear that. And it meant the world to me. I lost it either on Bandon Road by Lennox's Chippy and Fallon's Doctor's Surgery or Vickers Road at the second hand shop. It's a silver tennis bracelet, it's a ring of stones with a click clasp. I know you have a lot to get through, but I would so much love to get this bracelet back. Very precious for sentimental reasons. A present from... A present from her only child, uh, who has since passed away. Um, Yesterday, between half eleven and twelve, either near Lennox's or Fallon's surgery on the Bandon Road, or by Vickers Road at the second-hand shop. So if you can, if you found it, let us know and we'll pass it on. Silver bracelet, a ring of stones with a clicky clasp. And it would mean so much to get it back. If you found it and picked it up and stuck it in your pocket, then 
give us a call. Or, or someone came home and said to you, I found this, look at this, this is lovely. And it's sitting up there in the mantelpiece or on the table. Then we can we can rehome it, as it were. I don't believe this. I really, you know, we're talking about this pandemic bonus since January. And I know it's Friday and we're lightening up the mood for the last hour or so and all that as we do. And it's the summertime and, and sunshine and holidays and all of that. But listen to this. I'm, I'm wondering, could you ask your listeners, did anybody who left the HSE get the €1,000 bonus payment? I know everyone still present did get it. I left CUH not so long ago. You don't say when. And I'm trying to contact them and nobody's getting back to me. I wouldn't mind if no one got it, but I will not be wronged in the situation. I worked my butt off for three years, and now CUH won't even respond to my emails. Please, 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 um, please withhold my name, but we have it. Thank you for that. Petrol. Oh, God, petrol. You were asking about petrol prices. I'm living in Gran Canaria. Ah, <laughs> Vincent is living in Gran Canaria. He has a petrol receipt Petrol 156 per litre. Uh, the petrol 156 a litre. The government then take 20 cents off per litre. So it's transparent. So the receipt was 80 euro 2 cent. Then refunded 69. Okay, okay. A car wash 370. I don't get the maths of that. But the litre 156 in sunny Grand Canaria. Thanks for that. Still some of your favourite places in Cork coming in. I'll come back to them, but I need to go to Denise Curtin of uh, Stellar. I, I, don't, I don't believe it's still going on, Denise, um, but Love Island, it looks like it'll run until Christmas week at this stage. How are you doing? <laughs> Hi, BJ. How are you? I'm coming to you from the airport, so I hope you don't hear too much uh, background noise, because I tell you, the place is just so busy. Good. But yeah, I know. I know. It's it's running for so long. But the thing is, we've been told August 1st. So that's the date definitely for your diary anyway, because I know you're a massive Love Island fan. So <laughs> <laughs> August 1st is when is when we're being told that it should roughly end. They're very, very quiet with all the information to do with Love Island. It's all hush hush. But Laura Whitmore, who presents it, she did confirm at the beginning of season eight that we would be seeing eight weeks of the show. So that kind of brings us up to about August 1st. Yeah, yeah. Who's who's promising at this stage? Because I, I know there's a... Is the Irish lad still in there? I assume he is. Danny. Dammy Hope, he is. He is, yes. We still have Dammy in it. To be honest, you know what someone said recently, and it's so true on Twitter, they said it's gone from a BAFTA award-winning series, which we saw when everyone was in Casamore and there was so drama, and it was like, oh my God, this is the best season of Love Island yet to kind of like very crappy TV in the past week, which I know is what you think it is. Hold on, hold on, no, 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 stop. (laughs) Can we rewind that bit of tape? Did you just say what I think you just said? (laughs) You lap this stuff up. Oh, you know I'm addicted. I'm absolutely addicted. Reality TV is my calling. But uh, but yeah, it was brilliant. Do you know, I'm always critical. I will admit, I'm always critical of Love Island the first couple of weeks because I am comparing it to seasons of the past and ones that I loved. But I did think when we hit Casa Moore there last week, I was thinking this is br- this is the epitome of reality TV. It's full of drama. It's full of chaos. You know, it, it has all the elements that you need. And in the past week, it has just plummeted. It's like they peaked too soon with the show. But uh, if we're looking at who we think is set to win, oh. it's looking in the favour of Gemma Owens, uh, Michael Owens' daughter and Luca Bish. Oh, that's, that's really? That's the way it's looking. 
She's yeah, there since the day one. Has Ekin Sue kind of fallen out of the ratings now? See, the thing is, is everyone loves Ekin Sue and she's great with Davide, but in terms of them being a strong couple, it's unsure whether they last the test of time. Right. Um, and I know that's that's up for debate because the two of them would be at each other's throats and then they're in love and then they're at each other's throats again. But that's kind of normal though, isn't Luca, it? It is. <laughs> I mean, look, it's, it's everyday life. But Luca and Gemma, in terms of, you know, like a couple that look like they're ready for the outside world as a pairing, they would be, they'd, they'd be the strongest. Right, right. Um, um, poor old Ronan Keaton's young fella didn't do so hot, did he? Oh, no, he, he got didn't. blown out like big for time. A, a fleeting second. <laughs> <laughs> God love him. God love him. Hopefully he'll um, he'll get a bit of work off the show though. You know that's that's kind of the hope for most people when they go on at that that it does kind of help them forge a, a bit of a career. So here's yeah. hoping. Here's hoping. I see where Mara Higgins is is sniffing around the I'm a celebrity crew. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, like Mara. Like when we are talking about Love Island stars that have have She's made the a big Mara is. Oh, she's doing absolutely phenomenal. I think she's in, is it the top six highest paid um, stars that have ever come off Love Island? So, like, I mean, look at her. She's phenomenal, Phenomenal. Yeah, and oh, yeah, see here, Jack, Jack wants to get into Dancing with the Stars. Yeah, see, I can see, I can see him staying in the in in the celebrity media circuit oh, in Ireland. Yeah. He was, lapping it yeah, up. he lapping it up. He will not be forgotten quick. I hope he dances <laughs> better than the Zelfla sings. Did I actually say that? <laughs> <laughs> Look, I agree with you on this point. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Denise, I'm going off for holidays. Call call it for me. Call it for me. Who's going to win? Luca and Gemma. Luca and Gemma. All right. Enjoy the rest of it. Uh, and safe travels to wherever you're headed. Denise Corton in Dublin Airport waiting on a flight. Oh, God. <laughs> My thoughts are with you. Uh, digital letter from Stellar.ie. A couple of weeks left in Love Island. They'll apparently tell us on the 1st of August when it's going to end. 0818 96 96 96. And to those who every Friday when we catch up a little bit on this, who say he's talking about Love Island and there's people starving. You know what? You can't get away from the damn thing. It's a juggernaut. Love it or hate it, you can't ignore it. So we just catch up every so often. Uh, yeah, Cove, probably the most beautiful town in Ireland, says Eileen. I'd love a holiday there. Kate couldn't pick a favourite. Just all down the coast, we're so lucky. That is true. That is very true. Inchidani, another one coming in for Inchidani, beautiful beach. Akista, down around, uh, down Graham Norton t- territory, that's where he's got his house. Akista, Sheep's Head, beautiful part of the world. Yes, and could I add to that another lovely place called Towhead in, in West Cork? Little, tiny little place called Towhead. Cove, another one from Cove, but then Jimmy, you're from Cove. <laughs> you know what I mean? You're, so you're taking a holiday on your own doorstep. I moved here 23 years ago. I'm on holidays since. Y'all, 100%. That's, I think that's the third or fourth or fifth for y'all. People love y'all. Lovely place, lovely atmosphere. Cape Clear again. So you can only go to Cork for your holidays. All right? You can only go to Cork. You're leaving today. The weather's guaranteed for the next week or so. So where do you want to go in Cork and why? And we'll, we'll pick your favourite before 12 o'clock we'll just take a look at the trends um, kind of evenly distributed between west and east now to be fair no one's come up yet with the place I'd go if I had a choice in, in West Cork it's, it's West Cork no one's come up with it yet 
Anto Golden was on to us from the Cork Business League. They're holding a charity match on the 23rd July, which is the week after next. It's against uh, Fairfield 11 in the Fairfield. Uh, it's to raise money for Cork Penny Dinners. And remember a great young man by the name of Paul Coveney, whose life was turned around before his tragic passing last year. I remember that. I remember Katrina telling me I'd met him. I didn't remember meeting him. But yeah, uh, he really turned himself around. And to remember him. Uh, just Facebook search CBL Newsroom for updates on that particular game. Thanks. 0818969696. I'm doing as much housekeeping as I can of stuff that's been sent in to us. So we get as much as we can done. I wake up every morning. Get even more of Casey and Ross in the morning on the Highlight Show. Your chance to catch up and listen again. Saturday between 9 and 10 a.m. Everything is just right. On Cork's 96 FM. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Text or WhatsApp now. 083-396-9696. On Quartz 96 FM. Uh, if you're a fan or were a fan and back in the day of Chris Rhea, as I was, saw the man live four or five times, including at Slane. I was a huge fan of Chris Rhea back in the day. You'll be particularly interested in the music of a new discovery for me anyway, Dago or Dago Red. Because the lead singer of Dago Red has got the most the voice closest to Chris Rhea that I've ever heard since Chris Rhea himself and they do some wonderful cover versions and a lot of original stuff and they've literally worked with, with and been influenced by, by practically everyone in the business and they have a tour of Ireland going on and and Pepe Machete Mastielli joins me. Ma, yeah, Ma, Mastielli. Yeah, it's hard to. It's, it's Mas- difficult. To, yes, it's difficult to pronounce. Good man. I know good, that. good man. <laughs> now I, the voice. You want I particularly struck by, and I straight away added it to my own Spotify collection. Your your version of Goodnight Irene. Yeah, that's like <laughs> it's like it's like listening to gravel. On a slow tumble dryer. <laughs> it's gorgeous. But tell me about the band. Yeah, thank you. Tell me about the band. The like. band. Yeah. We we started playing in nineteen ninety-eight and we started the as a Baskin band. Then we uh, started touring uh, Europe and uh, the band has grown up. Now there are uh, six of us. And, uh, and and that's it. We yeah we we we've been playing together for uh, twenty two years yeah. now. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, we've recorded four CDs. Yeah. And uh, and that's it. <laughs> I don't know what else to say. it's a great it's a great treat. It's a it's, <laughs> it's, it's a, great a kind of a blues and there's a rock there and there's a touch of jazz and there's an original different your own different sound as well. But compared to like you ended up did you study at UCC at one point? Yes, yeah, my love affair with Ireland started in 1991 and uh, I studied Irish literature at UCC and it was just for a semester. Yeah. Uh, then I graduated at the University of Bologna and my thesis was about one of your uh, 
one of your writers, Sean O'Fallon. Yeah. And uh, I fell in love. I fell in love with the uh, Irish short stories and yeah. the Irish writers and the storytelling. <laughs> you know, and it helped me a lot to to to, to write songs. <laughs> yeah. Well, well, <laughs> yeah if, you, if if you like the the writing, the storytelling of Sean O'Fallon, then that goes into lyrics and un- into all that. Now you're on a bit of a tour, and you've got a couple of gigs coming up in Cork. You're going to be in Ballady Hub in yes. Levis's Corner House, which is a great pub. What a great pub! Yeah, and the, yeah. And the lovely Sea Church in Ballycotton, and they're coming up soon. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. James, our friend, uh, he did a great job. He helped us a lot. And, you know, for me, it's a, it's a kind of dream come true. Yeah. You know, come back, come back to, uh, come back to Ireland and play in Ireland and <laughs> to see the the, the, the places I, I fell in love with when I was young, when I was a young man. Yeah, I think you're still probably very young as well. Do you know? <laughs> You're still probably <laughs> so you got the, not, the, not so young. The, you got the Ballycotton, Ballycotton, and the gorgeous the Sea Church in Ballycotton is is just gorgeous. And you got yeah. now all your stuff is up on 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 Spotify and other channels, and you can buy it and download it and the whole thing. And you've got something coming up on Amazon Prime. Tell me about that. Yeah, we well we we were asked by a director a film director in Italy. And he, he, he wanted to, uh, to to make a film, you know, mm. uh, regarding the band, because he, he listened to our story and uh, he asked us to, to make a film regarding the band. And uh, we, we told him to feel free to put into the film whatever whatever he, 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 he like, you know? Yeah. We just asked him to tell about the people, not about the music, because <laughs> there are a lot of things about uh, about the musicians and bands and so on. But, uh, you know, music is something to, for us, music uh, it's something to meet with people. <laughs> you know, and uh, we, we wanted this, to um, to be okay. to be clear right. in the film, right. and uh, now we, we we are not yet on the Prime Amazon Prime, but we have signed the contract. Good, and Good. Uh, in short, it will be available there. Fantastic! You're doing the tour ahead of the Amazon Prime, uh, the little <laughs> Irish, the, the big little Irish tour of Dago Red appearing at uh, the Corner House in Ballydehob and Sea Church in Ballycotton on the August weekend. And you're also involved. You're also playing at Whelan's in Dublin and St yeah. John's Theatre in Listowel. Lovely talking to you. Absolutely lovely talking to you. And I love the voice, Pepe uh, Matt, Matt, Machatelli from Dago Red. My Ita- I never did Italian in school. Thank you, Pepe. Lovely to have you on the programme. And you'll find this stuff. Just look for Dago Red wherever you get your music. And his voice. Just sit there with your headphones on. Ugh, stop! Still looking for some of your favourites from uh, around Cork where to go for your holidays. Um, Doris and all the areas around it says Bernie um, she hopes I have a great holiday looking forward to it Bernie now I'm out the gap like a, like a, like a scarlet cat at 12 o'clock Robert has a con- oh controversial Robert oh controversial Ardmore I know you're going to say it's Waterford but if you think about it a bit of it is Cork well not really Robert a bit of it well meh meh 
yeah, yeah, I'd argue about it which after a point, do you know what I mean? But then again, half a cork goes to Ardmore. Um, Paul Bourne, my pal at Virgin Media, has a, a van down there, and a great buddy of mine, Kevin Foley, has a van down there, and half a cork seems to have vans in Ardmore. So we'll give you that one, Robert, I suppose. Ross Carberry, the Warren is the best, says Brian. Barley Cove, says Anne-Marie. Stunning beaches. Spent most of my childhood there. Such happy memories. Anne-Marie, did you ever tie the head of a fish on a piece of rope, piece of string, and go to the pier, or go over to the pier in Crook, Crookhaven, and just run it and see the crabs catching onto it? That would be it. That would be it. Jersey Island, says Catherine. You can't get there on the ferry now, though. Jersey, they closed it. They they closed it off for the summer. Baltimore, Baltimore and Shirkin, I would love it. You see, there's some lovely places around Cork. One of you has hit on where I would go. I won't tell you where for a while, but uh, keep them coming, and we'll give you the favourite as we calculate it before we pack it in at uh, just before twelve. We'll also be listening to Moraid's visit to Cove, summertime in beautiful Cove. That's coming up before we finish. But the last couple of summers when we couldn't leave the island or were advised not to leave the island myself and the missus actually and the boy, the boy still did leave the EU so we did we did we went up to the north over the border to the north and we stayed on both years in a beautiful beautiful place called Carnlock which is on the Causeway Coast gorgeous part of the world just stunning and you know if you don't want to leave the island, if you don't feel like flying, if, if you're not comfortable just yet with going abroad, with all the COVID concerns, why not try the north? Because the one thing I will tell you is having spent a couple of holidays up there, there's so much to see that we never gave ourselves an opportunity to see before that I would heartily recommend a visit to the north. And Joan Scales uh, joins me, the editor of Travel to Ireland .ie. I'm sure you'd enjoy you'd endorse that, Joan. Good morning to you. I certainly would, and thanks very much for having me on the show. I'm a big fan of Northern Ireland, I must admit. I've I've seen a lot, and I'm always surprised every time I go up, there's so much more to see. And the quality is amazing. Yeah. Really, really good value as well. And uh, recently, uh, Northern Ireland came out. There's a pitch up there at booking.com for for camping and glamping, uh, they rated Northern Ireland as the best value in the whole of uh, Northern Ar- in the whole of the UK. Mm. So there's some great places like that if you're looking for family-friendly uh, yeah. accommodation as well. And the cost of accommodation is not it's not overly expensive either to go there, which is which is great. And there's so many places to go. A couple that you wanted to look at, uh, a place called is it Carrie Cray Bay in County Fermanagh. Yeah, up on uh, Loch Earn. I was up there actually a few months ago and uh, the whole Loch Earn area is stunning. Um, Castle Ray Bay is right on the loch and it's also near Eli Lodge Forest, which is a huge big forest which you can ramble around. And these are pods that you stay in, but they're very upmarket, you know, mm. they're nice and comfortable, nice beds and everything. Ideal now if you have kids and you want them to go rambling around. Mm. I saw pictures of this exploring. actually. I saw pictures of this. This is serious, like high-level glamping. Oh, it's gorgeous. It's gorgeous. Absolutely is. And then in Strangford, then in um, 
County Down on the uh, Castle Ward estate. You have some glamping places there as well. Now, I would love, I've been to Strangford loads of times. I've spent a lot of time there when I was younger and it's beautiful. And there's so many things to do because you have the morns on your, uh, right there. So you can go exploring the mountains of Morn and then you have all those beautiful beaches along, along Carlingford Lock as well. So it's a, Castle Ward is ideal place as well. It's kind of a, a woodland stuff, a woodlands where you can pitch your tent as well, you know, yeah. for as little as 24 euros. Yeah, you, you went into, in Derry, into Derry, uh, Limavady, yeah? I did, yes, in Benone and Limavady. It's, uh, again, this is quite luxurious and they have some very nice upmarket places as well. You know, they've a fire pit as well and there's a barbecue place where you can cook your meals and the location is stunning. Absolutely stunning. Very close to very, very nice beach and the Benenna Mountains and the hills of Donegal. Yeah. And that starts at 2.09 a night, you know, for four people. Yeah. Also um, in Derry, worth pointing out while we're on the subject, it would be Port Stewart, which I was there last summer. Gorgeous, gorgeous resort is, is, is Port Stewart and a, a swimming attraction. Anyone fancy open water swimming, the Herring Pond. It's the coldest water you'll ever set foot in. But it's oh, fair. Oh, well, it's North Atlantic. <laughs> no, it is. Seriously, it's, no, it's fantastic. Yeah, actually, Derry City itself, you'd recommend, and so would I. I would. Do you know, I was in Derry uh, earlier on this year, and do you know, I definitely think it's a friendly city. Now, I know Cork feels they're the friendly city, but I think Derry could beat you. I never came across a place where so many people stopped me and said, yeah. do you need help? Can I show you anything? You know, every time I stopped to look at a map or, or to look at my phone for something, someone came up and offered help. It was amazing. Mm. Really couldn't believe it. And Derry is, has fantastic festivals. The, and in actual fact, there's a festival on next week. It's a maritime festival. And it's the round the world clipper race. It's a boat race, yeah. of which Cork would be familiar with, because I think the clipper has been in Cork oh, before. Oh, yeah, it has. Yeah, the, and yeah. the, it has. Yeah. So the clipper race is in Derry from the twentieth to the twenty fourth of next month of July, and um, there's all free festivals and free events on. There even people can even get to 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 go and look at the boats and maybe get on the boats as well yeah. so that's going to be great and it's great for um, for families but the other thing I'd say about Derry especially about festivals the Halloween festival is the best really they have definitely the best it's the best festival in Ireland it's probably the best festival in Europe yeah. for Halloween and I, if you were thinking about your autumn holiday then I would say to book now because it's great fun and virtually everything is free there's loads really of it is free or it's, or it's very reasonably loads priced as well like the, uh, the best very reasonable the most educational hour maybe hour and a half of I'd say the last 20 years of my life was the Derry Walls Walk it's just it. phenomenal isn't it I did so it interesting twice. I did it twice oh. it's magnificent it, and and then you're looking down onto all those murals that yes. we've seen on TV news reports That's for right. years I loved going to see all the memorials. And the guides and, tell the you know, story. Free and they dairy. Link them, they link the mural, they link the street. You, the, you, you, it, we actually don't know the history at all, really. Until we yeah, go no, it's fascinating it. because, but, but that tour is fascinating because it's locals do that tour. Yes. You yes. know, so, so you get their insight as well, as well as the kind of the specific history. Yeah. But, but the walls at Derry are fascinating oh, as well. Yeah. And, and we were up there last year. It was 28 degrees, nearly baked alive. <laughs> Fantastic. Oh now, to Bel- 
Belfast and the Titanic, yes, it is worth uh, everything they talk about. It's an incredible it definitely attraction. Is. I love it. I absolutely love it. And it's 10 years this year since it started. And every year they make it better. And this year they're doing this uh, White Star Premium Pass. It's a little bit pricey and that's 53 uh, euros for adults and 29 for children. But they've three experiences. There's the Titanic itself. There's the SS Nomadic. Now, the Nomadic was built around the same time as um, Titanic. Yeah. And that was the ship that brought... what I mean and then there's this discovery tour and um, and it's basically it's spend a whole day there you know mm-hmm. there's all kinds of activities for children you know and the the, the day would just pass in yeah. no time there in Belfast in, what's, in what's brilliant there as well and, in Titanic is they the, they, yeah. they they do a walking tour of the shipyard they do, they do. And you know what's there now as well? They have some of the, they made these amazing stained glass windows of Game of Thrones. Right. And some of the windows are there in Titanic. So you can walk all around that Dockland area and there's lots to see, but the windows are stunning. Yeah. I, I saw them there recently and I was very impressed. They look great. Yeah. And so if there are any Game of Thrones fans, there's definitely lots to do in Belfast. There's so much of it filmed up there. Now, if you want to head off to a food and cider, now, this will be September, but Armagh, the Orchard County, they celebrate with a cider yes. festival. So why wouldn't they? <laughs> they do cider and food, actually. It's a big foodie event. And if you're interested in food, now, you'll love it because it's going to be a lot of kind of local projects, quality projects, great experiences, and showing how to make different types of foods as well. And uh, there'll be, of course, be um, an urban market as well, food market. So if you're foodie, then I would say make space in your diary mm. for uh, for dairy, you know, to do the cider tasting, the tours and stuff. Now, one yeah. thing that... And then I- we have... oh. You've, Sorry, quite. there are garden festivals. There's one in there's one in Belfast. It's the in Bangor Castle. There's loads of these hidden. You wouldn't discover them till you on top of them. Walled gardens all over the north. And this is a festival set in one. There's beautiful gardens, and there's a great website. It's called discovernorthernireland.com, and you'll find lots of stuff there on on that on that website because there's something everywhere. I mean. To be honest, the, the, the government, the British government have invested a huge amount in tourism in Northern Ireland. Um, I'd probably say more so than here. And so it means everywhere you go, there's something really special. And of course, there's lots of stately homes to see. I know we always love to, to see how the lords and ladies lived. Yeah. There's lots of things like that. There's forest parks, like Tollymore Forest Park in uh, County Down, near, near, uh, near uh, Newcastle and County Down. That's a fabulous part. Great day out for the kids uh, as well. You know, so there's everywhere you go, there will be something to do. But I would say explore uh, discovernorthernireland.com and also look at uh, Travel to Ireland. I've lots of stuff on Northern Ireland I've written over the last year, which will give you ideas of things to do and places to see. We've we've explored a lot. The Giant (laughs) Festival in August in the Mourn Mountains is a good one. That's, a, that's great for kids. That's that's really all about kids, you know, and families. And of course, the myth of Fionn McCool. We all we all learn that very early on in school, don't we? So we all know about Fionn McCool throwing a throwing that big chunk of Northern Ireland into the Irish Sea that turned into the Isle of Man. That's right, that's so right. we uh, that's that that's a great place and uh, in 
for, you know, for kids particularly. And it's, you know, it's all focused on the history and the myths and the legends. It's all street theatre and activities and performances. And so great day out or great few days out. I mean, have a look at accommodation in Northern Ireland. Um, There's lots of, uh, lots of good value. It's not cheap. I will say it's not madly cheap, but it's good value. You know, top quality accommodation. As you said yourself, you had a lovely place to stay last year. But I found generally the accommodation very good quality. As it is all over Ireland nowadays. Indeed. All right. But, uh, so I think we've, we've got a, Gone through a fair bit. You can say a month. Joan, it's travel to Ireland.ie with the two and the, the yeah. number two in the middle. That's it. That's it, PJ. All right. Yes. Good good speaking with you. That's, That's great. Uh, Joan Scales from uh Travel to Ireland.ie. She's the editor of the Yeah, you, in fairness, the North is just marvellous. Uh another place actually if you're now, okay, you're coming out of the north, back into the Republic, but it's worth it. Go up into Donegal and find for yourself the Wild Alpaca Way. Cinemore, lads. Cinemore. Fabulous. Oh, yeah. We're only home from the north after a little staycation, and I'd recommend it to anyone. We stayed in Dundalk, the Fairway Hotel, got three nights of the price of two, with breakfast. Newry is only 20 minutes' drive beautiful fairy forest called the Giant's Lair. I know it. That's in Jonesborough. They had a wonderful time and it was free. Then went to Banbridge for a bit of shopping. They placed there like Kildare Village. And the following day went to Belfast for the science experience for the kids. They've so much up the north for the children. We had a wonderful time. And Newry, Newry is, <laughs> there's a shopping centre. This is pure, now geeky stuff. There's a shopping centre in Newry called The Keys. And it's got one of the best Sainsbury's I've ever found. <laughs> Just thought I'd let you know. I know that people are thinking Northern Ireland and all of what's going on there and was in the news the last few days with bonfires and all that kind of stuff. Let me tell you one thing. Absolutely sure. I didn't want to bring this up with, with Joan, but I, I tell you, it's a fraction of what's going on up there. You can avoid it. You can completely avoid it. You don't have to come across it at all at all. It's well worth seeing. On Cork and your favourite places. Oh, yeah. Now, Robert, you're after getting me into trouble. Robert says, Ardmore. I know you're going to say it's Waterford, but if you think about it, a bit of it is in Cork. Not so. Not so, according to this. The county bounds is below at the small stone bridge as you come out of y'all. Anything from there west is belong to Waterford, and we'd like to keep it that way. Cork gang are more than you're more than welcome down into the, the, the brilliant county of Waterford but don't be trying to take out more off of us <laughs> thank you <laughs> yeah that's was that Tony yeah he meant anywhere east of the bridge of course is is um, is Waterford but thank you for that Doris again Ballymacoda right across the bay from Yall Yall great destination Allahy's and Iris what a spot oh what a spot what an absolutely beautiful spot. In Shidani, beautiful, clean, safe beach. Kids love it. Hotel, food and service, fantastic. Clon, a beautiful town to explore as well. Doris, Bantry Bay, sent us a view from my aunt's window on a calm day on a kayak out to Whitty. Short walk around the beacon, up to town and all on the flat. Loads of day trips to the Mizzen, to Sheep's Head, to Kilcrahan Pier. 
and more. My, my favourite place in the world, said that. That one. I'll tell you what we do, PJ. Pay me to travel all around Cork for a few months. I'll come back with the answers. Yeah, we, we've, we've picked two favourites. Two standout favourites. I'll tell you about them in a minute. But one place that Moraid has been looking at in quite an amount of detail uh, is the town, the beautiful town of Cove. The season has been very good. Uh, we were absolutely devastated by COVID because 94% of our uh, trade and business came from overseas international. So when COVID hit, uh, it really hit very harshly. And um, I think a year ago, I'd have been very happy with a 40% recovery or even 20% It had been so bad. But actually, I'd say we're closer to 75% at the moment. So it's really vibrant. It's great visitors are back. It's a busy day for Dr. Michael Martin, creator of the Titanic Trail walking tours of Cove. He has a few minutes to spare between tours to chat. This year uh, I would have visited uh, New York, Boston, uh, Chicago and Washington DC and I found we met I suppose 850, maybe a thousand tour operators. There was a great pent-up demand for people to travel. Their clients wanted to travel. They wanted to get to Ireland. And in the interim period, when we weren't there, uh, Tourism Ireland and, our, and the agencies uh, did a fabulous job. People like Pure Cork, you know, these marketing agencies are doing a fabulous job, have done a fabulous job during COVID. That kind of kept us on the map. So I found uh, a great enthusiastic groundswell of eagerness to get back to Ireland, uh, to come back and visit and to get rolling again. Frederica's parents are over for a visit from Italy. For me, it's not the first time, but the, for them it is, and they are super happy. And they like the colours, they like the streets, they like the, the food. So they're really happy with that. So we were in Kinsel yesterday, so every city is different as its own soul. People are out and about enjoying what Cove has to offer on a warm, sunny day. Irene and Kathleen are originally from the town and now live in Manchester. So busy, a lot busier than it used to be. It's great to see us um, doing so well, you know, not sort of sleeping. It's, you know, it's brilliant to see all the tour buses and everything in. We come home every year to go over there. Because we're gone. How long have we gone? It's 1980. Quite a while. 1980. Hendrik Verway is from Cove Tourism. It's like putting the clock back two years, really, because the cruise ships are back and they bring a, a vibrancy and a buzz about the place when they do come. Um, people come to see them, as well as the passengers on board. People come to see the ships. Um, so, you know, that's that's right back where it was. And uh, the visitor numbers are, are, are nearly as good as um, 2019. Um tourism other than that I suppose I suppose you would notice that Irish people you know the last two years weren't able to leave the country as such um, so you can definitely get that feeling around the place there's not as many Irish people staycationing or you know going on day trips um, but there's a long summer there yet History and how Instagrammable the town is are some of the reasons why people love to visit Cove People come to Cove because of history the Titanic, the Lusitania the whole the whole immigration team and, and that will go across you know, Irish people as, and Americans as well um, so that's one of the reasons I think another reason that, that's very prominent is, is this whole Instagram and this whole social media thing and you see people climbing the deck of cards the hill and they're looking for the best vantage points and they're trying to recreate the shot that they've seen. Joanna Murphy, president of Cove and Harbour Chamber, says Cove is buzzing. This year in particular we have 90 cruise ships coming into Cove, of which you've already had a good few. Um, each cruise ship could have, my God, 
3,000, 4,000 um, passengers per ship. Then you have the spectators coming down as well. You also have summer swing here. We have markets then as a result of that. We obviously have a lot of tourist attractions like Spike Island. We have the Titanic Experience. We have Cove um, Heritage Centre, which tells the story of Cove. The activity in Cove daily from tourists is good but also I've noticed a lot of people are moving to Cove to live here which is great and businesses are beginning to open up in Cove which means that it's, I think Cove is getting an enormous amount of credibility which is great um, so yeah so Cove is busy definitely a lot happening and a lot to happen yeah, plenty going on down in Cove throughout the summer. A quick mention for you for Shane Bucks. He's on every night, of course, with the hit mix from 8 on Cork's 96 FM. Another great festival coming up the August weekend is Indy 22 down in Mitchellstown. He's got um, fantastic camping tickets, weekend camping tickets for Indy 22. Fat Boy Slim is there, Becky Hill, Lyra, The Academic, loads more. You can listen to win from 8 on the hit mix on Cork's 96 FM. Just before I go, I saw this this morning and I'm thinking to myself, I will be back. Will I be back? I will be back because i got to get stuck into this. It Takes a Harbour Cruise, Joe Kelly from It Takes a Village. This is a kind of a step up from It Takes a Village. Fantastic series of harbour cruises happening in August. Good morning. How are you? How are you? Very well. Um, yeah, we did. Well, the festival It Takes a Village took place in Trabalgan. We did it for three years. But one part of it, we um, got uh, Trish from Cork Harbour Cruises to come down, pick us up in a Hada, and we went around that way around the harbour. Well, this time we'll be leaving from Custom House Quay. And basically it's two and a half hours and just heard you mentioning Lovely Cove. You go right down to Cove and then back up again up the uh, around the harbour and up back the Lee into the city. So it takes about two and a half hours. Music and entertainment on board. It kicks off on the 22nd July. Yes. 22nd we're doing Gay Future called after a famous Cork horse. Uh, but basically we, we used to do this um, event as part of the festival in the amusement arcade of uh, Trebalgan and so Eddie Kay is hosting that with Keen Austin Jesus and uh, that's on the 22nd of July, that's the first one out and then after yeah. that there's John Spillane, Yankee, uh, yeah. Donald Deneen, Shane Johnson, that's yeah, it. Shane, one half of Greg and Shane, that boat will, be, that boat will be rocking. That boat will be that rocking. That will be. That one sold out already. So I'll bet it of, is. I think, yeah. yeah. I'll bet it is, so, yeah. And Donald Deneen, yeah. he, he, knows, how, yeah, he yeah. knows how to work He's, a crowd as well. He does, yeah. I mean, the lucky thing is, I mean, I, I heard your last... Um, just segment there talking about uh, Cork Harbour. And I think that's one of the main points is that you de- you definitely get a pers- different perspective on the city going on a yes. boat. And the fact is, once you go on the boat, for example, we were passing down past Rochestown and I saw this house that we did one there just during June for Midsummer Festival. And we I saw a house I'd never seen yeah. and I'm living in Cork 34 years. So Cork Harbour has so much to offer. I heard even their mention of Spice and all this but you know Trish and Cork Harbour Cruises is out seven days a week so check them out if our events are full because we've literally less than 10 or 15 tickets for four of them two of them are sold out already isn't that great um, isn't that fantastic yeah, I think it push, pushes uh, PJ to the fact that, look, Cork's a great city. We've a lot to offer, 
but we've often things on our doorstep we don't even know ourselves, you know. Ain't so this, truth. Trish has been doing Harbour Cruises now for a long time, and then there's the other guys doing the inflatable stuff. So there's loads of stuff, even in Cork Harbour, even if you're to holiday in your own city, or you're actually to get friends of yours coming up and down, you know, from Limerick, Galway, Dublin, wherever, you know. It's so, fab- you fab- know, fab- thankfully we've lost on. Fantastic. And loads of them sold out already, but there might be some tickets left. It takes a harbour cruise. Google it and you'll find their Instagram and all the dates. And there are some tickets available. Not a lot. Kate thought of a place, Ballinasode or Ballyrazode, never heard of it, uh, off the main road to Goleen and Skull. Tiny little cove. Thanks, Kate. We divided you well between east and west. The two favourites, listeners to the opinion line, their two favourites to go in Cork. Y'all in the east and Inchidani in the west. Both class destinations. You're listening to highlights from the opinion line on Cork's 96FM. Hear the full show on our app by podcast or on 96FM.ie.